Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It's a Socceroo special on the Gegen Pod this week and thankfully not a one-off special. Australia 2 defeats UAE 1. Now Peru is the final hurdle to qualify for a fifth consecutive Men's World Cup. We've got three former Socceroos jumping on today. Scott McDonald, Mark Schwarzer and the defending A-League men's champion coach John Aloisi. I'm your host Teo Pelizzeri. Let's jump in to the Gegen Pod. What a lineup it is for this Socceroos edition of the Gegen Pod. Three former Socceroos and the current A-League men's champion coach, Mark Schwarzer, Scott McDonald, John Aloisi. Gentlemen, let's go around the room and just get your initial reactions to Australia 2, United Arab Emirates 1, setting up now a match against Peru at 4am Australian Eastern Time on Tuesday morning. Jackson Irvine and Aydin Hrustich, the goal scorers for the Socceroos. I'll throw the floor open, Mark Schwartz, to take it away. What were your initial impressions of the win? Well, first and foremost, job done. I think for me, that's the most important thing. Um, obviously, the performance at times, you you know, I think I think they started the game well. I think there was moments throughout the middle of the game, sort of, well, probably a th- the first, um, sort of the, the, what is it, the second quarter of the game, I thought probably not as great. Um, but then once they took the lead, I thought they even for that three minutes or so, um, I thought Australia started to up their game and actually played a bit better and took more control of the game. Um, in the end, look, job done. Was not was it the prettiest performance? Was it the best performance? No. But they're through and that's all that matters. I think just to echo what Mark said there, job done. Uh, I think it was a professional performance. I think at, at this stage, when we're not looking for performances. We're looking for results, aren't we? You know, that, that's been crucial. We, we haven't been managing to get those results and, and in a one-off game, it's, it's all about the win. I, I thought it was uh, somewhat a protective performance, um, the way we played, but I, I can see why you know, Graham did that. Um, and it worked in the end. You know, it wasn't pretty. Uh, there wasn't many chances created throughout the game. Uh, but when the chances came, they, they took them. And that was the most important thing, that they actually took the chances when they came. And, and like I said, professional performance and, and now on to Peru. And John, how did the game leave you feeling? Oh, well, confident because we got the win. But um, in terms, look, we deserved the win. We were the better side in terms of chances created. Craig Goodwin had a really good opening um, and and that was probably the clearest chance of the game. And then if you look at uh, Irvine's goal, it's a tap-in at the near post. That's a clear, clear chance. And uh, yeah, Hristich's goal was a superb volley. But um, all in all... They didn't really create. They, they they caused us problems down our right side. That and we can we'll be chatting about that. And that that could be an issue because Atkinson hasn't played a lot of football at right back. He's been playing a lot higher. Um, but that was really the only place they were causing us problems. <clears throat> Everywhere else we're quite comfortable, but it was just that side there that we have to make sure that we get right for the next game. Well, we will get to the defence, but I'll, let's start with the positive, which was the winning goal for Aydin Hrustich. His technique holding up, obviously, a lot of chat about him with his success at Eintracht Frankfurt and now how he is growing into being perhaps the main man for this Socceroos team. He stepped up in a big moment, though, and for you three that know what it's like to play on the biggest stage for club and country, it must be heartwarming to see him take that level of responsibility and also come through for the team when he was needed. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that um, he's shown, and even in the game against Japan, he, it wasn't his best game, but he was trying. He was the one that wanted to make the difference. He was the one that wanted the ball. I didn't think that we got the ball to him in good areas, though, this morning. That, that was my issue with uh, the way that they set up. That, you know, he's, he's our most creative player uh, in that final third, and he's the one that can unlock a defence, or he's got a, he's got a great shot on him, and we didn't get him in those positions enough. But um, him and Boyle were probably the ones that can unlock the defence. Boyle did that on the on the right side, definitely. When he was 1v1, he was always causing problems. He was positive. Um, but Hristich is one that we, we do rely on because he's got the, the, you know, the technique and the, the capability of uh, really hurting the opposition. 
I thought Aiden was a little bit on a different wavelength at times. I thought he was a couple of steps ahead of most other people um, for Australia at the time. I, I think showing that the level he's playing at week in week out. Yes, he's not a he's not a regular Eintracht Frankfurt, but he's he's if he doesn't start, which is is not something that he's is a regular, but he's someone that he's always one of the first people brought onto the pitch. Um, I, I'm a big fan of him. I've seen I've seen quite a lot of him in the Bundesliga, and I think he's um, he's one of our best players, if not the best player we've got currently going around. And we, like Johnny said, there, I don't think we get enough out of him. I don't think we utilize his strengths enough. But I think that's also partially down to the fact that he's playing. I think he's playing on a different level. I think he plays at a different pace and on a different wavelength to to most of the guys around him. Well, that begs the question about the midfield more broadly, because John and Mark, you've both touched on, uh, is the midfield complementary to the strengths of Hrustic? We saw Aaron Moy start tonight. Obviously, he had an hour in the game against Jordan, which was his first competitive match since January. He's played a considerable number of minutes tonight, uh, albeit potentially in a conservative manner, and Jackson Irvine in there as well, who scored the other goal. So, Scott, I'll start with you, but then John and Mark, you're welcome to uh, build off the back of that point. What actually is the best midfield deployment in order to amplify the strengths of Hrustic, and does it involve Aaron Moy particularly for the short turnaround against Peru, given his lack of match minutes? Look, I think it has to. I, I've got to compliment Aaron Moy for his performance. I think he controlled the game for Socceroos in, in big parts. You know, he calms the play down. He makes lovely passes in between the lines. He was the one for me that had the composure, particularly early on in the game. The, the game was frantic in the, the first 10 minutes. You could see there was a lot of nerves out there, and Aaron was always willing to take the ball under pressure. And you need those big players in, in these big games and big moments. So I think... For the Peru game, you need him in there because he's going to be accountable. He's going to be within that. Now, obviously, when Tommy Rogic has played and we talk about Hristic, you know, where do those two fit in when Tommy was playing? You know, can you play the two? How does the balance work with that? Uh, Jackson Irvin likes to get in the box as well as Hristic likes to get forward. So the way that they they played, to, you know, this morning was they more or less played like, the boys probably agreed, like two false tens almost when we had the ball. They played that high. It was almost like what Andrew's probably doing at Celtic, not to the degree of the fullbacks going really, really inverted, but they were narrow. They were narrow and they were trying to create those 1v1s with Goodwin and, and with Boyle out on the sides. And, and Irvine and Hristic would try and play a bit higher. But we lost we lost Hristic in that because he was probably playing up against people rather than playing in the lines a little bit more where we can get him getting facing forward and, and actually hurting the opposition. Um, but as it is, I don't think there'll be much change I don't think they'll change much for, for the next game uh, unless, obviously, those injuries, they come back and, you know, Taggart's fit and Sainsbury's fit. I'm not quite sure Arnie will, will change much to, to what the shape looks like. Just with that, the, you're right, the way that they were playing. They were playing with uh, those two eights in uh, in Irvine and Hristic. And on, on the left side, Goodwin was coming to feet because that's more his strength is getting the ball to feet and then being able to li- deliver with crosses. And Irvine was trying to make those forward runs to stretch the defence and maybe get the ball in behind. It wasn't really working first half. That didn't work. Um, a, a little bit different in the second half. And on the other side, Ristic is not his game to run in behind. His game is to get the ball in between the lines. And they struggled to find him in there. Then he started to drift out in those wider areas when Boyle went inside. So it, it's a bit different from Arnie. Hasn't, I haven't seen him really play that system before and that, that those sort of rotations. Probably the players are still getting used to it. And, and uh you know, normally Arnie plays with the, the two nines and then those wingers coming inside and they try and outnumber you in midfield. But um, look, there's, I'm not sure how many changes they will make because of uh, they've still got a long enough turnaround for them to recover. Um, and what they might do in the midfield, you know, is Riley McGree, you know, he's had a good season. Is he one of those ones that could come into midfield? Uh, genre has been great in France in the second division. They got promoted. You know, it just depends on what he's seeing day in, day out in training so far over there and if, if they might step into midfield because we're asking a lot of Moy. We're asking a hell of a lot. He hasn't played a lot of football and all of a sudden he's playing these games over there. Um, I know he's got the calmness and he's got the um, the intelligence to play in these big games, but th- has he got the legs to repeat that? that that's, that's a big question. That's my problem with it. I just see, look, played UAE. I thought UAE, UAE were quick. They had pretty good uh, ball interchange at times, but I think they struggled with a bit of the pressure 
when it came down to to the final third to to getting in, you know trying to get into the game trying to you know when, when they were, got back into one one and they kind of retreated even more Peru's not going to do that Peru's going to different be a different level I think with Aaron Moy playing in that deeper six uh, role I think he's going to be exposed uh, we're not the quickest at the back um, especially if Trent's not playing I think uh, he'll really get exposed and I think he's going to have to look at changing the system a little bit um, I, I can't see them playing the same way as they did today against Peru I think Peru will, will do a lot more damage Well uh, we saw Kenny Dougal in the first half of the friendly against Jordan he was then replaced by Jackson Irvine Mark do you have a name at the top of the list for who you would uh, potentially switch if Moy uh, potentially plays in a more advanced role or doesn't start is it John Rowe I mean we saw Arnie throw Atkinson and Rolls in the deep end for just their second caps in this game so even though Jean Rowe is almost as inexperienced could he be the answer who do you like if you're going to tinker with that midfield a little bit I think you're going to have to look at Riley McGree. Johnny mentioned him before. I think he's had a really good season. He's been um, he's been very good at Middlesbrough. They speak very highly of him. Um, the way he's performed this season, he's he's a player that breaks up play a lot more. He's got more of a he's got more about him. He's got more in terms of the ability to get around a pitch a bit more. He's he's not afraid to stick his foot in. I think we're going to need a little bit more of that. Um, coming up against a, a Peru because you need to try and I think break them down a little bit break up play you've got to get someone in there that's going to do the hard work and the hard grounds um, but then have the complimentary players next to him Aaron Moy will he be able to play 90 minutes against Peru that's I look you're going to have to play him because I think he's still one of our best players um, you, you have to play him that was my next question yeah so you, you have to because yeah, he's you have best, to. one of our best, best players yeah, how, do you, I mean, how do you not play one of your best players even though you know you're saying he's not fit but again, we're talking about those players as well. They they don't do what Aaron does, you know. No, the, the, no one but he needs help. The, well, yeah, he does, and so you probably have to drop another one next to him. Yes, with what yes. you're saying, and I agree with that in terms of and then playing one further forward rather than than the two further forward. I thought there was a couple of times today where we got caught out a little bit with Aaron being there by himself. He hasn't got the ability. Um, I don't even think when he's playing regularly has he got the ability to play that single. Not many players in the world do are able to play as a, as a six by themselves. It's not that you know you you talk about it like I mean the only person that comes to mind straight away obviously is Makaleli could do it, but Kante the the only one I can think of and go you know what I'm not afraid to play him as number six. But we're talking about one of the best players in the world in that position. Um, so look, Aaron Moy, I, I think he needs help. Um, and and for me, I'd be looking at someone like Riley McGree next to him. The thing is that we're with the Moy there. They, they play as a six in build-up, just one six, that is, that, that lone midfielder. And then when they haven't got the ball, they they quickly drop back into a 4-4-2. So they, they drop Jackson Irvine back in there. It's mainly that you can get caught on the counter with um, with just Moy as a six. And, but that's why he, he kept his uh, full-backs quite narrow and deep. So then it, it wasn't going to affect them too much. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting one because... I don't know if they'll go with the same sort of lineup uh, in terms of the way that they, you know, the system that they played because it wasn't really, uh, you know, fluid as as they would have liked. I, I, we got the win the, 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 and we were the better team, but, you know, we, we're going to have to step it up a, another gear against Peru. Well, one more on the midfield then before we talk about the uh, the front three and also the defence. Johnny Stensness is there in the squad. Connor Metcalf isn't. He's gone from starting against Japan to, to not picked at all. Can we read anything into Stensness being there? Could he be potentially deployed or is he merely a contingency plan and a backup option? And, and as Mark suggests, it might be McGree that comes in if we do include a different midfielder for the Peru game. I think it would be McGree if, if anyone's going to step in. Uh, Stensness is uh, obviously doing well. And uh, and he's one that maybe Arnie looks at, uh, you know, as a backup. But you, you're asking a lot of someone that hasn't really played um, in terms of international games. We've already got two or three out there that haven't played a lot. Kai Rolls, Atkinson, and, uh, you know, Rolls did well. Atkinson struggled this morning. Um, and, and international football is different, you know. So you, you, you have to go with this, those experienced players. Even though Ryan McGree is not as experienced, but he's experienced at playing big games. Because when you're playing uh, where he's playing at Middlesbrough, you're playing big games week in, week out. So uh, you're going to have to go with experience for a big game like this. It's a one-off game. You know, there's a lot riding on it. There's, there's the nerves will kick in. There's, there's so much uh, energy that you can burn before you even step out onto the pitch if you're not experienced with these big games. 
All right, well, let's stick with the defence then because that is probably where the most number of headaches were raised within this game in isolation and potentially the greatest amount of speculation before the Peru match. Uh, In the end, Trent Sainsbury deemed not ready to start. Nathaniel Atkinson preferred over Fran Karacic. Uh, Kai Rolls and Bailey Wright preferred as the centre-back partnership over Milos Degenek. Where do we go with the back line from here? How different does it have to look against Peru? And what was your assessment of how well or the struggles that the back line had in this particular game? I think that's the problem, isn't it? The pace, the, the lack of pace. We, we saw down our right-hand side, you mentioned it, Atkinson struggled. I mean, how often do you come up against a player with that much pace? Um, uh, I suppose in world football it happens more and more, especially in international football. Um, that That's going to be their biggest problem. Um, like Johnny was saying, experience is, I think, is really, really key. Uh, at this stage I mean when I you know watching the game looking at Craig Goodwin you know they talk about his delivery in the A-League how good he's been with his left foot we saw today under pressure in the big games when it's really a lot riding on it there's a lot you know there's so much on that I think people underestimate the difference between playing international football playing club football are you able to step up are you able to deliver at those crucial moments Um, and that's where experience comes into it um, so I, I think certainly in the back line I mean I'm, I'm surprised a little bit as well that Milos didn't start um, again going back to, to experience and, and, and there's some certain some big questions um, that Graham Arnold needs to answer going into the next game against Peru does he look to go for more experience does he look to continue with the same back four I'd be surprised if he stuck with the same back four I, I really like um, Bailey Wright. I know, I know he's he's had a, a great career. He got um, had a good season, got promoted with Sunderland. Um, but today he got found out a little bit, you know, especially in those wide areas. When they dragged him out wide, 1v1, he really struggled. And, and, and his pace uh, was lacking today. Um, and you know that Peru would have analysed that. And if, they, if they're going to start with the same two on that right side, they'll be a side that they'll look to exploit. And, uh, and and with pace, because every winger in world football now <laughs> has got pace, you know. And uh, so it, it's one of those ones that if they do go with that back four, we, we're going we're gonna to struggle a little bit at times against Peru. Um, is Sainsbury going to be fit enough? If he is fit enough, I'll throw him in. Because again, he's got that experience. He can organise back there, um, and and he is quick. You know, he doesn't look quick, but he's quick. He's he's someone that uh, doesn't get beaten for pace very often. Um, so it, it's one of those ones that they. I think he's going to have to change. I think he he would know that he has to change someone. Whether he changes Atkinson and brings in Karatich, I, I don't know because he he lacks a bit of experience at international level as well. Yeah, that, that's the biggest problem is in terms of. It's a new generation. A lot of these players are now getting thrown in. They'll be thrown in the deep end. It's brave, as you know, as a manager, John, to throw them in at this stage of the campaign and throw all your eggs in there. It is a one-off game. Look, I think the biggest problem for Atkinson was that his biggest strength was taken away from him this morning in terms of getting forward. He had to play that more disciplined type of role and found himself not being able to do what he does best, and that's getting forward, getting round, boil. Uh, it was more of a reserved performance, um, but he found himself in that in-between stage all the time, and Abdullah just absolutely ripped him apart at times down that left wing. He, and, and let's make no mistake, he was exceptionally quick as well. But you're right, John and, and Mark, with Peru, they'll certainly be looking at that and, and wanting to try and expose that, particularly you know, Bailey Wright's going to play there as well. Because I think he does lack that pace. He's not getting any younger either. And um, it's certainly a worry for, for the Socceroos down that side for when they come up against Peru. So certainly I do hope that Sainsbury is fit and does help that cause. I thought Kai Rolls had a very good performance though. You know, for his first competitive cap, obviously only his second one. Um, he just seems to be improving out of sight every game he plays. So uh, I was really pleased with him. Now, whether or not he gets the nod for the next one, I I, I just don't know if Graham will change a lot. Uh, He's not one to change a lot, is he? You know, I haven't seen him up until this point. This is probably the most he has changed his team uh, in terms of the campaign. So with with the team winning, does he he change a winning team? I'm not sure. But there were changes he made because he was forced, right? He was forced because of injury. So you talk about 
something that he would not normally do, he's forced to. So he's, he's forced to throw players into in, into the game. Um, I don't think, I agree with you, I don't think he would have made those changes had he not had to have. Um, but now, he, look, he may have a good problem. He may have a good problem come, come next week that Trent's fit again. He can throw. He can make that decision as to whether he brings him back into the side or not. We've all, I think, we all kind of agree that if he is fit, he has to, he has to come back in the team. Um, but hopefully, we're in a slightly better position in a couple of days' time. That that you know, he has a few of these players back again. Mark, I wanted to ask you this, and uh, John and Scott, feel free to to add to it from with you, your coaches' hats on. But uh, as far as trust for who is playing the ball out from the back is one of the reasons that Moy spent so much time in the defensive midfield in this game because. Bailey Wright's passing was a bit iffy in the Jordan game. He also had some moments in in this game against the UAE. Kai Rolls, second cap, perhaps not noted as a particularly great distributor of the ball. How difficult as a goalkeeper is it when you know that you don't have a ball-playing centre-back as their natural sort of a role and it potentially is going to be sucking the midfield back to your, your defence to help you actually get through the press of the opposing team, which we're all assuming is going to be a bit more ferocious from Peru than it was at times against the UAE? Yeah, look, the, the thing you've got as well is that, you know, obviously if you're allowing, you're relying on your central midfield player or your holding midfield player to drop even deeper, you know, you, 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 that's a little bit step deeper, aren't you, as a team overall. You want to be higher up the pitch as much as possible. Certainly the way they play football these days. In my day, it was just get the ball down, let's knock it long, turn them around, and <laughs> let's move them up the pitch. Obviously it wasn't one of my strengths, but um, with a lot of these guys, most of these guys, obviously the way they play these days are week in, week out, trying to play out the back as best as they can. The, the higher you go up, more international football you play, the better opposition you come up against, the better you got to be and the more precise they're going to be. And and the boys we're talking about, Peru would be would have been watching this game and they'd be, I think, coming away from it pretty confident um, with what they saw so far. But, you know, we all know this is one game, it's one opponent, you got to get through it. The next one is, is whoever's in front of you, it's Peru, we know what we're doing. And... We're up against it. Uh, for me, we're underdogs going against Peru, but for uh, you know, and it's a one-off game, so we, we're going to have to throw at some stage caution to the wind. I, 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 all I'd say is sometimes you know you you've got to turn them. You you got to try and play to your strengths a little bit more. And if you can't play out at the back, you're not too confident. If the opposition's putting on you on, on under under pressure, you're going to have to mix things up a little bit. Don't always look to try and play the same way every single time. Aaron Moy, at times you're going to have to set him. move up. Don't don't drop too deep. Don't come and get the ball every single time. He's got to also conserve energy. But like I said, if we if he if he changes things and brings in another holding midfielder next hour and more, that's certainly going to make it a little, little bit easier for him. Yeah, I think that in playing out from the back is it's a good point because you know that, that's how you you start your play and and we were keeping the ball at the back in that first half without actually beating lines and and that that the little bit's got to do with the way. Um, that we're building up with our fullbacks because our fullbacks, especially Atkinson and Aziz Beach, their biggest strength is higher up the pitch, you know, when they go forward. So when you play with two midfielders, as Arnie has mainly in the past, that you can afford one of the midfielders to drop back into that back line, uh, whether it's out into a fullback area or whether it's in between the centre backs. And because they're the better passers of the ball. So if Aaron Moy is coming back to, to, to build up, he can play through lines a lot easier. And and then you can get Ristich a little bit higher. And then you can, you know, you can start to beat lines a lot easier and get your fullbacks higher. So that's why it was interesting for me. When when we're saying about that we struggled to play out with the players that we've got, why he actually thought that way of playing his fullbacks and, and, and getting them to, to build up. So you know, obviously it's due to personnel a little bit that he, he decided to go that way. Um, another one that's interesting for me, I'm, I'm going forward here, is Leckie playing as a nine. Um, you know, I, I know Lex hasn't played as a nine this year. And uh, so it's it's a different position altogether. When you haven't played in that position a hell of a lot, especially not this season, to get thrown up there, you feel out of, like, you can't, the surroundings aren't the same, you know? So when you're playing out wide, you know you've got the touch line, you know that you can run in behind, you know you can get the ball to feet, and you can virtually see what's happening. Whereas when you're playing as a nine, a lot of the time you might be playing with your back to goal, uh, you don't touch the ball for a long period, um, you have to be patient, you have to make these runs to, to create space for, for other players, you know, I I thought that was an interesting choice of having Lex as number nine. I, I, it's funny you mentioned that, John, because I, I know we're going on to that 
Theo, and you were going to talk. That's the one change that I would see being made for for the game, particularly. I think Lecky will play wide left, and if Taggart's fit, obviously Taggart plays as a nine. But if he doesn't, then I think he does go with, with Jamie. I think I don't think Goodwin plays from from the start. I think because of the way Lecky gives you his work rate, his energy, his discipline. I think they're going to need that against Peru. I think they're going to need their wingers to come back, and I think he'll probably want Boyle to sort of be that outlet and have Lecky keep working up and down, up and down. Um, that's the one change that I do see particularly happening in that in that front three, and I, and I don't think it did work. Um, I, I don't think for it's been the best of seasons for Lecky as well. I don't think he's brimming with with confidence, um, even though you know Melbourne City still had a, a good season, um, but I don't think he's been in full flight since he's come back to the A League. And I think that's his best position, like you said, John, because he's played there all season. So I think you play to his strengths and, and play to the national team strength. He's got to play down that left side. Well, let's talk uh, about some of the front three options. You've, you've both touched on Adam Taggart. Like Sainsbury, he was deemed to be not ready to play. Interestingly, uh, Tretso Osaka had played uh, the previous weekend, and uh, that's why he didn't feature in the friendly against Jordan with the six players that sat out. And we saw Nick D'Agostino get his first start, but he actually wasn't among the available subs for this game. Awamabil was brought on in stoppage time. Jamie McLaren came on at the 72-minute mark. No Mitch Duke, no Marco Tilio. So how do you think we should build this front three? And obviously, uh, when the team lineup dropped, effectively a formation without a number nine, and when the news broke uh, from Ed Jackson at AAP uh, yesterday that there wouldn't be Adam Taggart, a lot of people were immediately hand-wringing about the absence of Jason Cummings from the squad altogether. So... Where do we go from here with the front three? What is the best answer to try to unlock Peru? Or if not unlock them, capitalise on a set-piece opportunity or maybe something in broken play? Boyle definitely will start uh, because he's our most positive play in terms of when he gets 1v1, uh, nine times out of ten he's beating the player. And if he doesn't, he's he's still getting him on the back foot, So, which is a a positive, especially that you want from your wider player. And I agree with uh, Scotty. I I think Lex, because he's been playing mainly on the left, uh, you need to play him because, he's again, he's got that experience. Uh, Whether he's full of confidence or not, you know what you're going to get from uh, Lecky. He's going to run. He's going to fight. He's someone that has got that pace. And he will pop up and score goals, mainly from a wider position when he comes into the box, you know, that's unnoticed. Because when you're playing as a nine, you're marked. You need to get rid of your player. And you and I saw, you know, some of the movement in the box today, because they didn't defend well. UAE in the box defended very poorly. But we weren't able to really get away from a player because that, that's not their natural game. Um, Jackson Irvine did in that, that goal. And, and you could see the way they were defending. That could have happened time and time again. So that's where, if you've got a number nine, whether Taggart or McLaren, I thought that we could have hurt them a lot more in the box. With the with that, I don't know who will go with as the number nine, depending on who's fit. But then I don't, wouldn't change too much else. I, I think that's the three that you go with. And then you still got Bill to come in, cause an impact. Tilio to come in, impact player. Because um, when the game's tied or you're chasing a game, you know, fresh legs can actually open up the opposition. But I'd still go with Lecky, Boyle, and uh, depending on who's fit enough to play as the number nine. I agree with Johnny. I'm not going to argue with him. <laughs> I think the biggest problem you have is when you pick a striker, John, and you know that because like, we, we all know it, but it's like, what do you go with? Do you go with someone? Because it's, it's very rare. Well, we get the complete player, right? So do we go with someone that can run in behind? Because you know, Jamie, if he plays as a nine, he's not going to come defeat. He's not, he's not going to get involved in the build-up play. He's not going to hold the ball up and get you up up the pitch and take the pressure off or do you in your mind of all minds but as a neither, manager neither did Lecky today Lecky no, didn't no, he do didn't. that no. Yeah. no but what I'm so, saying is then I mean you got Mitch Duke there as well and, and we know that he's deployed Mitch before and he likes Mitch uh, I'm not saying that's that's my choice but they're, they're the dilemmas you have as a head coach isn't it because if we're going to be under the pump what are you saying are we looking to go in behind quickly or do we need someone to actually bring us into the game and that's the balance of it all and, 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 and who you choose um, and, and, and which way you go because there's, there's no right or wrong in either, but it's no. just picking what you believe in in, in that moment. 
So my my thing about that is is depending on the opposition you're playing against. So if if you're looking to play a little bit more on the counter, then I, I think that you do need that uh, number nine that can hold the ball up because that does relieve pressure. Then you have midfielders underneath, and you've got your wingers that are quick, that can run in behind. But when you've actually uh, got the majority of possession and you want your better midfielders on the ball in areas like Hristich in between the lines, then you need that striker that's just playing off the shoulder and, and just stretching them that, that bit that they, they don't want to come out to Hristich because then all of a sudden, Jamie McLaren's in. And you saw Jamie, when he came on, he made a difference. He, the, the run that he made to have that shot, that's pure Jamie, and yeah. that's what Jamie can do. And, and then all of a sudden, they start to drop a little bit more, and then you create more space in the midfield. So... Depending on the opposition, if we believe that we're going to have little possession against Peru, I wouldn't be surprised if he does make a change up there and he, and he does go with um, Mitchell Duke because of that reason, you know, to try and hold up the ball and bring others into play a little bit more. Scott, I wanted to ask about Marco Tilio. He is only 20 and he is effectively deployed as a super sub for his club and now for his country. So he's managed to basically take his club role to the national team. But at what point does he need to make the jump and demand to be starting rather than being used as an impact player? I guess your own development as a striker, you know, before you get that opportunity to be starting every game, when does he have to make the jump? I know it may not favour us for the Peru turnaround in the short term, but at, at what at what stage do we have to have the mental shift in gears from him to actually command a, a starting role for club and then ultimately country? Well, that's a simple, simple, simple answer, isn't it? What you just said there. He needs to get a starting role for his for his team first. You know, um, to be a, a super sub and and still be within the Socceroos setup, you're very fortunate in my eyes. Um, but I guess that shows where we're at as a nation in terms of our, our squad selection. But that's no detriment to, to Marco himself because I think his ability is second to none. Um, but he has to be more consistent. He has to get more game time. And what he gives us compared to other players is he's a ball carrier. Um, and he excites people and he draws people towards him. And look, I'll go back to the, the A-League final. For me, and uh, for me, he should have been on earlier to cause Johnny more problems. And when he come on, he did cause problems because he attracts people, he draws people towards you. It, 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 all of a sudden, he brings two defenders to him, and he plays round corners. He's smart, but he needs to develop further, and he needs to play more games at, at A League level, and and then possibly if he does do that, then he gets his move elsewhere, and that's that's a strength for for the Socceroos. You have to go back to club level all the time. Because you have to do more at your club and you have to do more at that to, to push on. And then the benefit of that is always going to be at national level. Um, if you're not doing it at club level, then it's always going to be a struggle to do it at national. Seems like we've had this before, haven't we? Daniel Azani, someone that uh, was that bit part player, came on, excited everyone, um, called up, and then look what's happened to him. You know, So that, that's key. What, you know, what Scotty's saying there, you've you got to be a regular at your club team. And, and, and that's first and foremost, that's your bread and butter. And obviously he's brought in there just for that impact, that someone, something different, um, if need be. But I, I would see it more as a probably a last, last, last chance saloon option. Well, it'd be remiss of me not to ask, uh, following Scott's point there, John, were you surprised not to be coaching more minutes against Marco Tilio as an opponent this season? Um, oh, surprised. Obviously, Paddy Cosnorbo's got his reasons why he doesn't play him more. Um, it, you know, as a as a coach, you you play who you believe is going to win you the football game, and uh, and you know there were times there that maybe Paddy thought that he couldn't rely on him for whatever reason, whether that's you know his defensive duties, whether that's uh, you know he's not training well, um, but we know that he's got ability. You know that, that that's. Uh, that goes without saying because, you know, when he does come on most games, I wouldn't say every game, but most games, he can put you on the back foot very quickly because as soon as he gets the ball to feed, he starts running at you. He can go either way. Um, he can come inside, he can go outside. He's got a final pass. He can score goals. Um, so he, he's, he is a game changer. Um but it's up to him now to actually prove that he can play more minutes. You know, you can't always look at the coach. You can't always look at, you know, they don't want to play younger players or whatever else. You have to prove that you deserve to be in that starting 11. You deserve to be playing. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Well, let's talk about the Socceroos coach then. We've, we've spoken about the players. We've spoken about the game. I've deliberately left the coach until last, but ultimately it's Graham Arnold that's going to pick the team to take on Peru. Uh, if you listen to his uh, pre-match comments, very much a manufactured siege mentality, uh, talking about the Australian DNA. Uh, Mark, you've been in so many Socceroos squads with so many different coaches, different mindsets and, and different phases of everyone's career. Can you manufacture the siege mentality and get the buy-in, or do the players have to believe that they are under siege in their heart of hearts for it to actually be an authentic experience and something that can motivate you to play? I think it's a bit of everything, isn't it, really? I, I think that there is obviously the outside noise. There's the, the, there's, there's the feeling that's around players believing in the manager, believing what the manager says, going with the manager, um, sticking together. You know, as a team, the first thing you need to be doing, certainly in the national team as well, and any team, is you've you've got to try and you create this this environment where sometimes it is us against them, and you feel like it's us against them, um, and it doesn't matter what you do, how you play, because as players, you're looking at this now. I mean, I, I certainly would be looking at this now. I don't really care how Australia plays against Peru as long as we qualify. That that's that's ultimately what it comes down to. I know there will be critics, so if Australia grind out a result and get through people are going to i'm sure 100 percent, there'll be a lot of people unhappy about it because of the way we played but as far as i'm concerned it's about the end product the end result getting there then you can work on everything else because you then you've got a bit more time to get ready for it but i think um not a lot but you've got a little bit of time um and and you know once you take that next step up you've got to improve otherwise you are going to be left a million miles off the pace um but, and sometimes these games aren't great games to watch. Sometimes, well, a lot of times they're not. A lot of times it's the, the, it's the pressure, it's the nerves, it's everything that plays a part. So you've got to create an environment that everybody is working their socks off for one another. You are fighting everyone's corner. You are all on the same page, all the same old cliches. It, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah, I, look, I agree with you, uh, Swartzy. Um, just going back to our own the personal experience against Uruguay, we weren't great. You know, <laughs> don't don't get fooled that we were unbelievable against Uruguay. We rode our luck at times. Uh, you know, they had their their opportunities. It's about getting the result, and uh, and that's what they'll be looking at. Whether Arnie's creating this siege mentality, um, or he's just saying it, uh, you know, out in the, in the public, uh, I think that they will be feeling that there are a lot of critics. They will be because they have been. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the way they're playing. We haven't got the players. We're not good enough. Um, Australian football is in turmoil. Uh, all, all that's been coming out for the last year or so. So, you know, the players will want to be, first of all, qualifying for a World Cup. They will be getting together and go, let's show what we're made of because we're, we're Aussies. We, we're, we're strong. Backs up against the wall. We, we deliver. And that, that will be the message that Arnie will be trying to implement because he has to. Because at the moment, they're not playing at their best uh, and they need to try and get results somehow. Whether that's grinding out a result. He, he spoke about kicking and scratching today after the game. You know, that we, we have to do that to get a result. And, and no problem if he wants to, to get that message across to his players to say, you know, let's just, let's just do anything possible on the pitch to qualify. It doesn't matter how we play. Obviously, you still stick to your structures and stick to your way of playing within that. But to give them confidence, you just say, look, we're, we're, we're Aussies. We've been through this before. We know how to deal with this. We, we, we will um, be able to get through this if you believe in the Aussie spirit. And that's what he'll be saying. Yeah, look, I, again, I reiterate, couldn't agree more with, with the lads, and I'm pretty sure that's what, what Arnie will be doing. You know, let's not forget, Arnie's been in numerous, you know, successful World Cup campaigns, you know, whether that was, you know, being part of the, the coaching staff itself. He, he knows what it's been like. He, he's been with, with, with us throughout those periods, and, and there has been periods where people do try and knock you um, in the outside, and you do take note. And you, you do want to 
shut these people up and you use that as motivation and you try to use that as motivation rather than negativity so long as the players can deal with that and handle those pressures um because again when we were there and, and the players i played with i was fortunate all these players were playing at the highest elite level though so they dealt with pressures you know week in week out are our players dealing with that week in week out questionable isn't it you know but we need them to be ready for, for this one-off game and, and give everything. And, and it's going to be hard work that, that that's going to make it happen for them. You know, they're, they're not going to go out there against Peru and, well, we hope so, but it's not going to be like they, they're going to play this fantastic football and, you know, be expressive. It's going to be like a cup final. It's as simple as that. And, and we've seen recent cup finals and what they're like. It's, it's whoever takes that moment, uh, that first moment, that first goal within these games wins you it. Uh, very rarely will we ever see someone come from a goal down. So you just have to keep it tight. And, and like I said, when that ch- first chance comes, you, you've really got to take the bull by its horns and, and get it. Um, and, and look, I think Arnie will be reiterating that. You had Tim Cahill come in a um, couple of days before to give the boys a pep talk as well. Wouldn't surprise me if Timmy's back in there again <laughs> at some point. Um giving his two pence worth, which is great. It's, it's great for the boys to listen to that and, and have that experience uh, and know-how from, from people that have been there before. So, um, look, I think that we're in a good space. I think, I think it's been very good that there has been that break between the World Cup campaign, the campaign coming to an end, and now going back into camp to refresh. I think there was a lot of negativity going around at the time, particularly about the manager and the performances. It's allowed everyone to reset, refresh. They had the friendly against Jordan. They've now won against UAE. They'll be in a good place. Mentally, they'll be all in a good place, which is which is good. So hopefully they can take that into the game. So before we finish on Peru, I, I want to challenge each of the three of you on the answers you've just given. Does getting past Peru, whether it's a win within 90, whether it's an extra time or whether it's on penalties, does it vindicate and justify that we have had to resort to the siege mentality, to the kick fight scratch, to the Aussie DNA. Do you think that a victory lap will be in order if it is the method that we use to qualify? Does the ends justify the means? Because it does, I think back to, you know, the 11-game winning streak earlier in qualifying. I, I look back to maybe some of the warning signs or Canary in the coal mine and then, you know, we're, we're sitting there, we can't beat Japan, we lose to Saudi Arabia and we wonder how we got here. And it seems as though we only become introspective after the worst-case scenario and after we lose. So I'm going to throw it out there. Do the ends justify the means if we beat Peru? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What, whatever do. we do... Whatever we do to beat Peru, I don't care how we play. I don't think anyone will care. I don't, even the harshest critic won't care. And you can criticise after about the way the team plays and uh, and say that you know we we can uh, we're going to struggle at the World Cup. It doesn't matter what they think because then you know you've got time to then work with them and work on things that you probably don't have time when you're going through qualification because going through qualification is quite tough. You, you only get two days with the team before they play a game. This Arnie spoke about having a little bit more time with them this time round. Um, so yeah, it, it, I wouldn't worry about how we get there. Uh, it's as long as we get there because if for Australian football to, to follow someone at a World Cup, I'm 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 hoping that I can follow Australia at least um, and uh, and support them and and you know. After that, I'm sure that uh, you know if we do qualify, the confidence will be there. We we got nothing to lose when we get there. We're playing against teams that are far superior to us, and it might suit us even more so. Whereas at the moment, we're we're expecting to qualify for a World Cup because we've qualified four in a row. So that's what the the Australian public are looking at. Definitely. It's the expectation. The good thing about it is, look, guys, I know you guys are struggling because obviously Italy are not there, Johnny, so it's, you've only got Australia. Scotty, Scotland had no chance anyway. Luckily, I've got Germany there still. So, you know, we've got a chance of winning it. But, um, no, look, look, of course, I, I agree. Totally agree. It's all about qualification. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how we get there. Just get there. And let's worry about everything else afterwards uh, once we qualify. Uh, and I'm saying we qualify because... I want to be positive about it. Um, and I know we're right up against it, and I think we're underdogs. It's it's going to be one hell of a battle. Um, but 
and look, we, we are, we, we're, no one's kidding themselves because we aren't at the levels we used to be. That, that goes without saying. So it's that extra incentive. We talked about this, the siege mentality. We talk about players sticking together, the team sticking together, proving people wrong that, yeah, we may not be the best players individually, but collectively we can prove people wrong. You know, we can get to the World Cup. All these little things you use to try and um, gain a little bit more of an advantage, stick together. And, and that's how they will be and I have been approaching it because it's clear today they were a unit. You know, you can complain about the way they played, but like we said earlier on, don't care. It's, it's we're through to the next next stage. But they are a unit. They are together. We saw it when they scored the goals. You could see the celebrations. You could see the way the players worked their socks off. And, and that for me is, 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 uh, is, is unmissable. You can see it. So that is, they're going to need that and more against Peru. Look, I think I'm just thinking back to the game this morning. I'll tell you what as well. I hope the referees is as lenient as oh. what he was today. Because I think we're going to need that too. Obviously, we're playing against South Americans. The dark arts always come out. As we know, you know, so I, I'm, I wouldn't mind him actually being the referee again because he let a hell of a lot go this morning. So, um, and to upset the rhythm of Peru, I think I think that would would do as well. Um, but yeah, look, the, the ends do justify the means. It's all about qualification. It always is, no matter what anyone says. Uh, but I think this time around, if this will be for another podcast, we really need to to look at what the future looks like after this. So if we do qualify, because I think we've sort of just gone around and the ends have justified the means too much, um, but we'll still take it this time around. The finances are so important to our development as a, as a nation as well, if we get there. So um, by hook or by crook, we just need to get the job done. I think it's, there's multiple podcasts you can do on on why we are where we are. You know, like I think there's a lot of different, I think there's a lot of different angles. Um, and and that's not a short-term fix; it's a long-term fix. Um, and 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 look, everyone goes through peaks and troughs. Every country in the world goes through periods of developing incredible talent to then falling by the wayside a little bit, and then and and then re-emerging again. We've just got to make sure we re-emerge sooner rather than later with quality players again back to what we've had in the past. Um, and th- and there's a lot of reasons I think why we could why we even why we haven't got there, why we aren't there right now. And and that's, like I said, that's another uh, multi-series, multi-level podcast that'll probably last a couple of years. So my, my final question then is about Peru. Do any of you have any profound thoughts on Peru? They beat New Zealand 1-0 in Spain in their most recent friendly, only via goalkeeping error as well, which uh, Ollie Sale from the Wellington Phoenix uh, coughed the ball up to Lepardula to score the only goal. Uh, very quick, very creative Peruvian team, but New Zealand certainly had some promising phases of play as they counted against Peru. They're a hugely veteran team, only two players under the age of 26. Majority of the squad is over 30, so plenty of familiar faces from the 2000. 18 World Cup. Uh, we have spent this podcast, I think quite rightly, talking about what Australia will do. But to finish, do you have anything on Peru to leave us to mull over over the course of the next four or five days? I'll tell you what, I think we're very, very lucky that it is Peru compared to some of the nations we could have got, you know, that, that just missed out. I'm looking at Colombia, Chile, Paraguay. If we're looking at those nations, we're underdogs right now. My goodness, I think a lot of people would have had us buried before we even played this game. I I think as it is, I don't think Peru are probably the fifth best South American team out there. Um, They will have a lot of threat, yes. Um, But we can match them on a lot of levels. I I think we can. Um, It's it's just that we have to be disciplined on the night and we have to give up a little ball. I I don't think we're going to dominate the game. I don't think far from it, but I think... What's been our strength over recent years particularly is our set pieces. They weren't very good today, uh, albeit we scored the, the second one off a you know, second phase of a set piece. And I think they really are going to be so hugely important to us when we get them. Can we capitalise? Yeah, uh, Peru, yeah, I agree. that They haven't really got big name players that you need uh, in these big games that, that can stand up because it'll be tight. I've got no doubt about it. It'll be tight. It'll be like this morning, tight affair. Um, someone with the extra bit of quality like Ristich made the difference. Um, you know, you look at their wingers, Cueva and Carrillo. They, they play in the uh, in the, the Arab leagues, and, and so the, the actual um, 
the intensity they play at week in, week out is not that high. It's not like in the European leagues or the, the top European leagues. And quite a few of them still play back in South America. So MLS as well. Yeah. So it, it's it's one of those ones that you go, it's very doable still. We, we, we might be underdogs, but it's very doable. And, uh, and I think that we're... I had more, I was a bit more worried about UAE than before coming into this game than Peru because I don't think Peru, in a one-off game, without their home crowd, without, you know, it's it's on neutral territory. We'll, like Today was like an away game for us, you know. There, there was uh, more, obviously, UAE supporters there and so it was sort of an away game. They're used to the environment, they're used to the, you know, the surroundings, they're used to playing in air-conditioned stadium, which... Was for me was quite funny to see the air conditioning in the background. Um, Peru aren't Peru aren't used to it, so you know I think we're we're on even keel with them, and you know they they will struggle as much as us in terms with the surroundings. So I'm I'm quite confident about this one. Yeah, I I mean look, I think any team that finished fifth in South America, I know you, I know you're saying that they're you know, they probably weren't the first, fifth best team, but the fact is that they finished fifth. Anyone who fits in, finishes in that qualifying series in that position have deserved to over the course of the run of time right so they've obviously done enough so they're going to be a, they're going to be a challenge and yes when you look at them individually there, there isn't any standout star there isn't someone that just pops out and go right he's someone that's going to or could have the, the ability to tear someone apart and and that that part of it's almost a bit a bit a bit worrying as well because you don't have that person that you necessarily will look at and think right he's the one we're going to really keep an eye on i i I just feel, I mean, look, the experience is one thing as well, something that we don't have a lot of. We have some, but we don't have a lot of. Um, and um, I'll go with it still. I'll still think, you know, like, like Johnny said there again, we are certainly underdogs. But I, I've, look, I still believe that we've got enough to get through, um, but it's going to have to be an almighty performance. Um, and I, all I can say is as well, I wish we had air conditioning stadiums when we played in that part of the world because, Jesus, <laughs> we could have done with them. <laughs> Sensational. Well, uh, John Aloisi, Mark Schwarzer, Scott McDonald, thank you for joining us on this Socceroos edition of the Pod. All of our fingers and toes are crossed for 4 a.m. Australian Eastern Time on Tuesday morning. It's been a really good breakdown of the UAE game and a good look ahead to the Peru match. Obviously, I do not need to ask for predictions or tips. We all want Australia to win. It's as simple as that. So, gentlemen, thank you. And to our listeners on Optus Sport, stay with us through the rest of the week. Still plenty of J-League, Nations League as well. And we will have, hopefully, another Pod for you off the back of Australia's qualifier against Peru. My name's Teo Pelizzeri. Thank you for joining us. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.